right. And welcome, welcome. So excited we get to be together here online on the patio. And then we get to share life together and, and see what God's doing in our lives together. Uh, it was a little over two years ago, uh, uh, maybe even quite a ways over two years ago, that our elders had been in the midst of a 40-day fast. We uh, do that all the time, and I love doing that. When we do that, and I know I've shared this before, but for those who haven't heard it, whenever we do that, we agree during the 40 days not to talk. And the reason is we all want to hear from God, and then we want to get in a room and see if God is telling us the exact same thing. By the way, I'm not, I'm not overemphasizing that I have been in awe that every single time we've done this, we've come in the room and there's unity. Every time we've done this, we come in with the same message from God. So we were gathering on the Queen Mary that particular year, and we got together, and we get in the room, and we begin to talk about what God had been telling us. And here's what's wild about it. There was this idea, there was this movement in our eldership that I actually got really excited about, and that was that we should try something that would be very, very new, something that would be groundbreaking for Crossroads, but for most churches, we were going to begin to have a thriving online ministry. Now, I know most of you right now go, well, yeah, that, I mean, we're doing that, but you need to realize this is over two years ago, and very few, if any, churches were doing that, especially in this area, but our elders had this passion. Months later, on March the 11th, two years ago, the pandemic was declared official. Do you remember that time? Anybody remember that? Yeah, I remember it because I got word we can't meet in the building. Uh, and, and so I, I just began to pray. I began to strategize with our team. But are you ready for this? We were already online because of our elders. We were already there because of our elders. And on that particular Sunday, I walked into an empty building. This building was empty. And I preached a message, are you ready for this, to 30,000 people. Yeah, is that wild? And, and we had a lot of decisions for the Lord. We had an incredible opportunity. Uh, and so I'm glad we get to be together and online now. But let me tell you how I felt. When I got home and Pam said, how was it? Because, you know, it was, it was different. I said, Pam, I don't know why I think it's better. But I am so, here's the words, I am so glad, I am so glad that our elders prayed and listened to God. I am so glad we listened to God. Uh, you know, I want to tell you, there's lots of times in your life you're going to feel that. I'm so glad I listened to God. I'm so glad I listened to God. I believe the message I'm about to give you is one of those. That you're going to be so glad you listened to God. But whenever you get in a moment like that, it changes everything. It was years ago, and I don't even remember the year, like 2000, 2001, the AIDS crisis was devastating the continent of Africa. And I remember that kind of the short version of the story is Pam and I were moved to tears when we realized how many children were being left AIDS orphans. Everybody mattered. Everybody who was suffering mattered. But it was a catastrophic event that was shaking our globe, as particularly on that continent. And uh, so Pam and I traveled to Africa. We went to uh, Nairobi, Kenya for the very first time. We uh, came walking out of the Hilton Hotel. 
And uh, I looked over and I saw a little boy who was begging for money. By the way, they had always told us, don't give money to the kids. But I want to ask you, when that little boy who was about this high walked up and reached out his hand, would you have turned yourself away? No. So our, our team, we all gave him some money. But then I stood with our driver, Peter, and the rest of our team left. And I said, hey, I want to see where he goes. And, and he walked over and sitting not far from him was his little sister. I'm going to guess she was at two or younger. He picked her up, put her on his back, and he went up and sat in the doorway of a boarded up building. And I said to Peter, I said, do you think someone's sending him out to bed? Because I wanted him to. I wanted someone to care for that child. Peter said, no. Maybe it's only me, but I can picture this in my mind still. That little boy sitting there, and here's what he did next. He looked at the money and didn't know how to use it. He was that young. And uh, he sat there and he looked up. And I don't know this to be the case, but as I saw him looking up towards the sky, I wondered if he was praying, will someone come care for me? That's why we were there, was trying to make a difference. And the problem was way too big and way too hard. But we were praying that God would guide us to somebody we could support. I honestly don't know what happened to that little boy and little girl, but I do know this. That not far from where we were, Mary and Wallace Kamau were feeling God call them to go make a difference. And they would have to give up a lot. They would have to say no to a lot and yes to God if they were going to do it. And then they did. And when God put us with them, I'll never forget the moment that we began to understand the great calling they had and the way we could make a difference. And I remember God beginning to move. I remember when there was 10,000 children being reached and we thought that was so incredible. Then 15,000 and now over 20,000. And I want to say this, that boy may have been one of them. He, I don't know that he was, but he might have been. That sister may have been one of them. But I am so glad, Mary, you said yes to God. I am so glad that you would do what God... What do you guys think about that? That she would say yes to the Lord. And I know you are too. Mary, I know you are so glad that you guys said yes to God and had no idea where you'd be going today. But if you hadn't said yes, thousands and thousands of children would not be cared for. Uh, thousands of children wouldn't have hope. Uh, three of those children are children we're very close to because we sponsor them. And I've watched Jadita, you know Jadita. I've watched Jadita go from a shy, scared, impoverished, malnourished child to a thriving young woman who's going to be going to a university soon. I, I just think that that's something we got to ask. Are we ready to say yes to the things God says we should say yes to? And when you do, you'll be glad. When you do, you'll be glad. So let me get this out here to kind of preface where we're going. God has a will for your life. You are made by God on purpose with a purpose for a purpose. So don't miss that. Now, you have a choice whether you're going to be in that. You have a destiny you could live, a calling you could answer, or you could not. And I want to tell you, you'll never, ever, ever have the satisfaction and the joy that God wants you to have if you're not going to follow your calling.
But every person here has one. Now, all of us are under what we call the general will of God. Uh, There are certain things that God has as his will for each one of us. We all share in that. We're going to get to that in a moment. But what you need to know is God also has a unique will for you, a specific will and plan for you. But you'll never live your specific plan if you don't live within the general will of God. Does that make sense? Uh, So it's not that the general will is less than. It's just something so important. It's for all of us. And yet God, God also wants you to know you will find your own unique calling, your day-to-day calling, if you follow God's will. Now, Jesus, Jesus came and modeled that for us. He came and showed that he had a passion for something he must do. So we see this, and we saw this last week in Luke. It says, the Son of Man must suffer many things to be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised up on the third day. So we saw that the first uh, eight up to nine chapters of Luke was aiming towards Jesus' must. And then he unveiled it. And everything for the next 15 chapters in Luke is about him moving towards that must, fulfilling that must, taking on his must. And we all have a must. We all have a must. And if you're wondering what your must is, let me tell you some good news. Jesus is going to now tell us that. So in Luke 9.22 is his must. Luke 9.23, look at this. He dives into your must. By the way, is it my must too? Yeah, but I'm talking to you. (laughs) Okay, come on. Do you guys want to know your must? Yeah, look at this. And Jesus was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must. He must. Don't miss that. He must. You have a must. And there are three things that make up your must, Jesus said. And this is God's general will for every single person. He must, number one, deny himself. Deny himself. So it starts with this. You cannot come after Jesus. Let me say this clearly. You can't be a Christian. In the United States, we turn Christianity into the most unchristian thing imaginable. Now, why do I mean that? Because it's the idea, well, I pray a little prayer and therefore I'm a Christian. No, you're not you got to deny yourself. That prayer is only matters when you actually say, Jesus, be my Lord, which means now he's Lord of all. You know, the, it's, you, can't be, you can't be converted if you don't get converted. <laughs> you know, I, I bumped it. I, 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 you know, it's a whole different sermon. All right, so you must deny himself. And then what else do we got? We, we got to take up his cross and look at that word. I just blocked it all out. Let's get that off of there. Here it is daily. Take up his cross daily. And then the third thing is follow me. So we all share in that. We all share in those three things that Jesus calls for us to do. But notice the context. Let's jump on. Forever wishes to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. He will be the one who saves it. And then it goes on in the verse 25. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world? And loses or forfeits himself. Uh, another, another place it says forfeits his soul. Jesus said, what's it going to matter? 
You may think you've gained everything, but in the end, you'll have lost what matters most. Don't live that way, Jesus said. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, uh, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes to his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy uh, angels. So Jesus is calling for you and I to do three things, to deny self, to die to self, and to follow him. So I want you to lock that in your mind. I want it to be something so firmly implanted within you that it actually guides your life and dictates the decisions you make. Just like Jesus, everything he did, everything he said, every place he went, uh, everybody he interacted with was all based on his must. And you and I need to do that too. So look back at Luke 9, 23 with me. And he was saying to them, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself. That's the first one. We must deny ourselves. Uh, it's when you deny self, you find the greatest joy in life. Uh, I don't know if any of you can relate to this to me. It's a lot like eating. I've, I've shared before my deadly sin is gluttony. Uh, and so when I go to a restaurant and I see three things on the menu that look good, do you know what I want to do? Order all three. Now, let me say this. When I have done that and I'm self-confession, I've done it. And then I, I don't know about you. I was raised by my mom and dad. You eat everything on your plate. Anybody else? Yeah. Yeah. That's thanks, mom. Uh, so when I've ordered all three, I've found that I actually enjoy each one less, especially when I eat all three and I'm tired and bloated and just dragging. And I actually have multiple times sat in my car or sat on the couch. Why did I do this to myself? And then I do it again. When I have not done that and ordered less and ate less, I enjoy it more. See, in life, when you deny self, you're going to enjoy it more. Life is going to be richer. Your energy level is going to be higher. Uh, By the way, in counseling, I've watched that happen over and over. People who feed self uh, tend to have very low energy. They have low passion. They, 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 they walk around with a, living a life wondering whether it matters or not. And you know why? Because you can't feed self and live a great life. But when you deny self, and that's where it begins, then you begin to live this life that's incredible. And by the way, in Titus chapter 2, we're ta- it talks about that. It says, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. But what's the first thing it is that grace of God tells you? Instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in this present age. By the way, so we're to deny ungodliness and worldly desires. So these two things we're to deny. So what does it mean to be ungodly? Uh, Ready for this? An ungodly person lacks patience. God is patient. You and I should be glad that God is patient. The Bible says he's long-suffering, which means he puts up with so much from us. You know what? If God wasn't patient, you would already be dead. If God wasn't patient, you'd walk through the world with little piles of ash that God struck them down. If you were God, that's how the world would look, right? Anybody else here glad you're not God? We're all glad you're not God. (laughs) But the Bible teaches he's long-suffering. So when I'm not patient, I'm ungodly. When I lie, I'm ungodly. 
When I don't choose love, I'm ungodly. When I'm selfish, I'm ungodly. You know, and, and the Bible says, deny that, deny that, deny that. And so you actually actively ought to be a part of saying, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let that live inside me. I'm gonna choose to deny. I'm gonna choose to deny that and not be that be who I am. And so the Bible teaches that you and I are to deny ungodliness. We're also to deny worldly lust. And in 1 John, we're told what worldly lust is. It's the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the boastful pride of life. And uh, I want to tell you that over the years as a pastor and someone who's tried to help people, when people don't deny lust, they pay a, they pay a horrible price. Uh, I've sat with people who were so in debt, they don't know how they're going to get out. Do you know why they got in debt? They didn't deny worldly lust. The lust for more, the lust for more, the lust for more. Uh, and, and they've paid a huge price and are paying a huge price. Uh, I've watched marriages ruined. I, I, I sat with a guy who lost his career over getting into an immoral relationship that he, for some reason, didn't think it would cost him his job. It didn't just cost him his job. No one else will ever hire him again in that particular field. And he's missing out on his life's calling because, by the way, I think for him that was his calling. Now, can God redeem him? Yes. By the way, let me tell you, sadly, that man is not chosen to be redeemed. He's still living in brokenness. But you don't find your calling when you give in to the worldly lust. So God doesn't want that to be who you are and what you do. He wants you to deny lust. Deny lust so that you can live. Deny lust so that you can live. That's what he wants you to do. That's what he wants you to experience. That's what he wants you to be able to understand. So when you have that lust for alcohol, you're going to be so glad. Remember, that's what we're talking about. You're going to be so glad you said no to it. So when the police pull you over and get you out of that car, you're going to look them in the eye and say, I haven't had anything to drink. That's way better than slurring your words and trying to get out of it. Right? I um, have a really, really good friend, and he would allow me to tell this uh, we were in youth ministry together. He, he and I, um, he was at a different church, but we partnered, we did things together. And uh, one night after preaching at a, a major gathering and doing a phenomenal job, he got in his car and he's driving and he and his wife had had a fight. He wasn't being valued at the church at least the way he thought he should, so he had kind of this poor me feeling about it. And he pulled over to get a cup of coffee and he walked in and he looked at the six pack of beer. And for some reason he bought it. Sat in the car and drank all six beers. He didn't make it very long down the road before the police pulled him over and got him out. A DUI is devastating to anybody, to a pastor. It's usually catastrophic. Would everybody agree? And this guy went from being one of the top youth pastors in the country to losing his job and, and going through a long period of time of trying to get back, to rebuild. He didn't deny it. Had he denied that lust, had he had said no in that moment, life would be so much better. Now, by the way, some of you might say, for Chuck, Chuck, you don't understand. I'm trying to deny it, but it's not easy. Let me tell you something. This is a church where we want to help you make it. We want to help you get there. And if you have some failings on the way, do you know what? We're not going to give up on you. 
God's not going to give up on you. But for you to live the life he wants you to live, you've got to deny ungodliness and you've got to deny worldly lust and you've got to say, it's not who I'm going to be and you've got to choose to make that what God has for you. So Jesus said, if anyone must come after, come, wants to come after me, he must deny himself. Then he said this, he must take up his cross daily. By the way, don't miss the daily. Did you catch the daily? He must take up his cross daily. So what is he talking about? See, for most of us, we, we see, and this is a good thing. I'm not, don't misunderstand me. We see that cross is something beautiful. I don't know about you when I'm driving down the freeway and I see the cross on the 91. I, anybody else excited about that? Yeah. And I'm like, wow, man, the ACLU lost. Uh, and it's actually on private property. They can't do anything. Um, or you go to Mount Rubido and you see the cross. Or it, but whenever you see a cross, there's something that just, I don't know about you, but I just feel good inside. Anybody else? It's just a sign of hope. Back when Jesus was walking the earth, it wasn't. Nobody looked at a cross and said, oh man, I just feel good. Why? Does everybody know what the cross was for? It was for the worst possible way to die. And if it was empty, you knew someone was going to be put on it. But far too often it wasn't empty. And you walked by someone who was hanging there in agony. So when Jesus said those words back then, it wasn't the warm cross we see today. It was an instrument of death. But Jesus said, you and I are to pick that up. In other words, we're to die to self. We're to die to self. Uh, in Argentina, uh, they baptize differently than we do. And I'm not, I actually love how we baptize. And so when you uh, get baptized here at Crossroads, then what we do is we ask you, do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God? And you accept him as your Lord and Savior. And I, I got to tell you, I love it when people look me in the eye and all the emotions there. And they're, they're like, yeah, uh, last week I baptized a man and he could barely get the words out because he was so choked up with emotion and crying. And that's beautiful. And then right after that, I say to him or whoever's baptizing says to him, because of your profession of faith, I baptize you now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then we say, be buried with Christ and we put him under the water. And if I do your baptism, I hold you under for a second. <laughs> I usually warn people, I have forgotten before and I put them under and they're like, like what, am I coming up? <laughs> be buried with Christ, raised to walk in a new life. I, I, it's, I, one of the best things we ever get to, if you've never been baptized, you need to do that with Jesus. But in Argentina, they do it differently. In Argentina, Juan Carlos Ortiz was sharing in many of the churches there that what they do is they, they have the person in the water and they say, do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God? And is he your Lord and savior? And you say, yes. And they say, okay, die. And they put him under the water. He said, that's what they say. They just say, die. And you go under. If I did that here, half of you, oh, yeah, <laughs> die and then raise to walk in a new life, die and be born again. Do you know when you got, when you gave your life to Jesus, you were supposed to die. The old Chuck is, should be dead and gone. By the way, I am glad the old Chuck is dead and gone. Uh, I still, I, I was, uh, Corona's my hometown. I have bumped into people. I was at a, a gathering not too long ago and someone said, I knew you before. I would have never thought you'd be the pastor at Crossroads. You know why? Because that Chuck was not a good guy at all. Now, I want to say the sad thing is every now and then the old Chuck tries to sneak out. 
Uh, I have a, a, a friend who's a pastor, and he's a senior pastor, and uh, they did a, a kind of a cool a Halloween event where they had a haunted house where they shared the gospel, and in it, they had a coffin, and in that coffin, in that room where the coffin was, they challenged people to think about, what do you, what's going to happen when you die? Well, it was all over, and they're doing all the cleanup, and uh, so some of the, the high school kids thought it'd be funny to put the coffin in his office, and so he comes in on Monday, opens the door, and there's the coffin sitting there in his office. And he called the mortuary and they didn't come get it. They didn't come get it. And about a year later, the coffin's still in his office. And I'm sitting there, we're going to go to lunch. And I said, what is this doing in here? So he told me the story. And then he said this, I think I'm going to keep it. Because I come in, this is where I do my quiet time with the Lord every morning, my time of beaning with him. And he said, now I'd look at that coffin and say, you know what? Make sure you're in there. Make sure, you know, the old you gets in that coffin and dies. And I, I thought, that's pretty cool. And I realized every one of us, that's, you get up, you're supposed to die daily. He said, take up your cross daily. And so I feel like every one of us needs to get in the coffin. The problem we all have is as the day goes on, we keep peeking out to see if we need to take over from the Lord. You know, uh, you know, we kind of keep looking to see, wait, 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 wait. I don't want to miss out on that. But what we need to do is be willing to die to self. And in a very real way, that's what Mary did. For Mary to be used by God to reach thousands and thousands of children, she had to choose to die and even die daily. Because where her and Wallace could have lived was not the Mathari slump. Where they could have worked was not the Mathari slum, one of the worst slums in all the world. By the way, today it's not because of the transformation that's taking place. But we asked Mary to share with you what it meant for her to die to self. Watch this. I remember, even though I was young, just a college student, and there was so much hope uh, in me by my family because I was the first person to go to university. And so everybody hoped that I could get a good job and be able uh, to make good money and help them out. And so uh, then all of a sudden, God changing that and putting me in Madare and me starting to work in Madare where there wasn't even much hope to really even earn any money. Uh, and, and so it, it looked like uh, there wasn't much hope. It looked like I was, I, was, I was lost. Actually, I had a lot of people talk to me thinking that I was making the wrong decision. But I knew it, I knew within my heart that God wanted me to do what I was doing. And so I felt that I needed to just obey the leading of Jesus and, and follow that and not listen to the people. But I thank God because the sacrifices we made are not in vain. Today, we are actually very humbled to see what God has done over the years. And I thank God that he gave us the grace to obey him and to obey his leading because so many lives are being changed and our own lives have been changed. I can tell you that maybe if I didn't work in these places, I wouldn't have grown in faith the same way I have grown. So I, I thank God for giving me the grace to obey and follow him. Praise God. One of the things, Mary, you said in there that I just grabbed hold of is you had to make a choice to listen to God and not listen to people. 
Now, we don't ever want to deny wise counsel, but everyone who's a Christian is at some point going to have to make that kind of a call. You may have to say, no, I'm not going to listen. You may have to give up the relationship. Jesus actually warned us about that in Matthew chapter 10, verse 37, where he said, he who loves father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. There are times we have to do that. When I was in next-gen ministry, all the time I was counseling people. That's your next step. You've given your life to Christ. You're dating someone who's a non-believer. You need to end the relationship. You're engaged to someone who's not a Christian. You need to call off the engagement. Uh, You're going to have to make a choice. And uh, you know what? In all our lives, we've got to choose that. We've got to be able to be willing to do that. And, and that is what each one of us needs to do. Are we ready to die to self daily and to have that occur? And uh, I remember one time I led a guy to the Lord when I was in Tucson, Arizona. Uh, this is going to date me. He was the owner of uh, the only video store on that side of Tucson, Arizona. And, and I know some of you don't know what a video store is. They had these VHS tapes in it. And you'd go in and anybody know what I'm talking about? And yeah, okay. So those days are gone. Yeah, it was kind of, he was independent. It was like Blockbuster. Yeah. And I sat with them and we're talking and I said, okay, I'm so excited you're a Christian. And he looked at me and said, Chuck, it's going to be tough. I'm going to do it. Why was it tough? You ready? How do you think he made all his money? It wasn't renting normal movies. He was making a lot of money renting X-rated movies. But as a Christian, could you do that? What's the answer? No. So you know what it did? It cost him everything. He lost his store. He lost his income. And he knew when he said yes to Jesus, that's what it would cost him. And you know what? Jesus said, are you going to do it? Are you going to die to self daily? Are you going to die to that? And I want to tell you that he did. By the way, he literally went bankrupt. There was no way to carry that store on. And he had a lease that somehow had to get paid. It cost him everything. But it was worth it. Are you ready to give your everything? The rich young ruler was told you have to sell everything, give to the poor. Peter, James, and John said you've got to leave everything and follow me. And so, you know what? The question is, are you and I ready to give our everything? Mary Kamau was willing to give her everything. Uh, uh, a career she cha- tra- uh, uh, trained for. One she had been aiming at. One that would give her an ability to make a big income. And she said, I'll die to that daily so that thousands of children's lives can be changed. Are you ready to do that? See, you need to sometimes die to self daily to make that call. Some of you right now, you're not, you're not ready to do it. Uh, part of your dying to self daily is to choose to come and serve at the church. But you're like, oh, I'm just so tired and I don't want to give up my time. You should die to that and come serve at the church. You know what? If some of you need to, to die daily... And, and choose to plan to go on a global outreach trip to Kenya or somewhere else. Some of you need to die daily so that a child can be sponsored. And maybe you don't get coffee that day or 
a lot of days. Some of you might say, well, wait, how long is the commitment for? Well, I think we've been sponsoring our three children, or at least the first child for, gosh, it's going to be 15 years now. And uh, I'm glad, by the way. I'm so glad I said yes to that. But you and I need to die daily. And so the question is, are we ready to do it? Are we ready to take up our cross the way we should? And you know what? So many people aren't. So Jesus said, if anyone comes after me, you must. You must deny self. You must die daily by taking up your cross. And then the third thing is what? You got to follow him. You have to follow him. Uh, And we need to be willing to do that. We need to be willing to make that call. Uh, And Jesus said, that's what God's great calling is for us. John chapter 12, Jesus said something very interesting. In John 12, verse 26, uh, it says this, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. By the way, too many people want Jesus to follow them. Uh, You know that? Too many people want Jesus to follow them. We want the Lord to do what we want him to do. That's not how it works. We're supposed to do what he wants us to do. You know, there's a a phrase you and I ought to say all the time, not my will, what? Your will be done. Not my will, your will be done. And then what happens is you begin to discover what it means to follow him. He goes, where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the father will honor him. Uh, There's a, a really cool devotional that I still recommend called Experiencing God. And one of the keys to experiencing God is not saying, God bless me. It's to go where God's blessing. So, you know what? Don't say, God bless me where I am. Show me where you're blessing and I'll go there because I want to follow you, Jesus. I want to be with you, Jesus. I want to live for you, Jesus. And that's what a Christian does. And you'll never know your purpose. You'll never know your calling. You'll never know your destiny. If you don't grab hold of these three things, that one, you say, I'm going to deny self. Number two, I'm going to die to self and live for him. And then number three, I'm going to follow Jesus wherever he wants me to go. And when you do that, what's going to happen is you're going to live the most incredible life ever. It's the life you were made for. It's the life God designed for you. It's the calling he's given to you. And you're going to end up having a fulfillment to know that in the end, life matters. In the end, life matters. And your life will make a difference. Some of you today, you need to make a call. A call to deny self, to die to self, and to follow him. And where does it all begin? It begins by calling on Jesus as Lord. Uh, In the book of Romans, it says this in Romans chapter 10. It says that you and I need to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. Then we'll be saved. Sometimes I've had people actually say, saved from what? It is saved from sin, but guess what? Saved from self. Jesus died for your sins, but he died for your self motives, your self times. And he wants you to live in that great calling that he has for you. So right now, maybe you're online and you need to make that call to say, I'm ready to now be really, truly a follower of Jesus. I'm really, truly ready to be his. And I want that. Maybe you're here in the building or on the patio. This is your time. And where I said before, it's not just a prayer. It's not just a prayer, but the prayer that matters is a prayer of sincerity and faith. Where the prayer is, I will give my life to you. I will follow you. I will lay down myself for you. And maybe right now you need to do that. 
Maybe right now you need to do that for the first time or maybe you need to do it to recommit. Right now, we're gonna go to a time of prayer. And if you're online, I'm gonna ask you to think about this and pray this prayer with me to say yes to Jesus or to recommit your life to Jesus. Sometimes as Christians, we wander away or we mess up and the Lord wants us to come back. So pray this prayer. Say yes to God. Because I can tell you this, that a day will come you'll be glad you did. And if you don't do it, a day will come you'll be sad you did it. Here in the building or on the patio, pray this prayer. Let's go to God in prayer right now. Father, I pray for anyone who's here who needs to, who must. They must deny themselves. They must die to self. And they must make a commitment now to follow you to go where you want them to go, to be who you want them to be, to follow you. I pray right now for someone who's sitting there and it's stirring inside. They know that they have a secret life that that, the Lord's not okay. But it's not a secret from you and you still love them, but they can't be yours if they're not willing now to give that up. So I pray they'd make the commitment, they'd make the determination now to say yes to you. Father, I pray right now for anybody here who needs to find you taking them out of brokenness to a place of becoming whole. Who's gonna take them out of a place where they feel like their life doesn't matter and they're not making a difference to one of purpose and fulfillment. To uh, seeing marriages healed and relationships mended but most of all a calling embraced embracing their calling right now if that's you I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer with me where you say yes to the Lord so just pray these words say Lord Jesus I know you love me and I know you died on the cross for me and you died for my sins I pray you'll forgive me and cleanse me from all my sins I pray you'll heal me from hurt and from pain. And I pray you'll free me. Free me from myself. Free me from anything that would hold me down or hold me back. And I pray most of all, you'll make me yours. And that you'll make me alive. And you'll make me brand new. I commit my life to you. I want to be yours completely. And Jesus, I pray this in your holy name. Amen. And amen if you prayed that prayer. Amen if you prayed that prayer. And if you prayed that prayer, praise God. But I'm going to ask you to do something. If you're online, I want you to text amen to 77247 or go to crossroadschurch.family. Thanks again for joining us. Here at Crossroads, we're all about helping people take their next step. So... What's your next step? Whether you've made a decision to follow Jesus, want to be baptized, or you're interested in knowing more about God and the Bible through our Alpha class, we can help you take your next step at crossroadschurch.family. We also want to invite you to gather your family and friends to join us right here online again next week. We're live Wednesdays at 7 p.m. or Sundays at 9 a.m. So if you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button and you'll never miss out on any new messages. If you found this message encouraging, click the like button.
button and let us know how we can pray for you this week in the comments. Finally, if your life is being impacted by Crossroads and if you wanna be part of making an impact all over the world, you can head to crossroadschurch.family to do that now. Thanks again for watching and we'll see you next time.